What's up, Cyber and Crypto family? Hope everybody's having a good week so far. Today is Monday, July the 8th of 2019. This is episode number 78 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. All right, hope everybody had a great 4th of July break. Hopefully you got a break, got to spend some time with the family and you know, we're able to grill out and hang out and shoot off some fireworks maybe. So hope everybody had a good time. But this week we're back to the grind, of course, and it's been an eventful few weeks since I've done a podcast. Quite a few things have come up, so we're going to touch primarily on uh, cryptocurrency stuff, but there's also been quite a bit in the cybersecurity space as well. So on the cybersecurity side of things, we're going to talk a little bit about D-Link. Also going to talk about the FCC chairman and what he's doing. More Facebook drama, Facebook, uh, excuse me, facial recognition technologies, cellular networks, and what the hackers have been doing on those cellular networks. Going to talk about some GDPR compliance stuff. That's always exciting. And also going to talk a little bit about VPNs and all the different VPN providers that are out there. On the cryptocurrency side of things, we're going to talk about obviously the prices and where we're at as of today. Going to talk about the Libra drama that's continuing. Going to talk about Bitfinex, the exchange, and uh, what they're doing to pay back their people that, or excuse me, their customers that uh, were hacked. Going to talk about Cloudflare and what happened there that caused quite the havoc in the crypto market. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about something that I've been doing personally here recently uh, regarding uh, trading and, and trading on Bitcoin futures and whatnot. So got a lot of stuff to dive into. So let's, let's get right to it. So we'll start on the cybersecurity side of things. D-Link, you may or may not have known, but they had uh, quite a bit of issues with some of their devices and Numerous hacks had been happening with their devices, and now this is kind of interesting to see this. The FTC came out, and apparently there was some sort of a settlement with all these D-Link hacks that were happening. But D-Link is now, based on this settlement, they have to go through 10 years of security audits. So that's per the FTC and the settlement that they did with D-Link. So make you, might make you think twice if you get some D-Link products in your home or office. But I guess it's a good thing that they're getting these security audits as long as the audits are good. <laughs> I guess you never really know until the audits actually happen and hopefully things get better there. But I thought that was interesting. That's the first I've seen the FTC come down and enforce something like this. So that was kind of cool. It sucks if you work for D-Link, obviously. But it's great to see that the FTC is taking this stuff seriously. Uh, some other news the FCC chairman came out and finally, finally, after all this time, says he's going to ban caller ID spoofing for text messages and foreign phone calls to fight all the robocalls and whatnot. So thank goodness this has been you know, just an ongoing saga and just people are getting robocalled and getting scammed left and right. It's just... It's crazy, really. And there was nothing that anybody was doing about it, or so it seemed. 
So it's good to see the FCC chairman come out and say that he's going to start banning this kind of stuff. It's about freaking time. But if you are getting a bunch of these robocalls, there's a really cool app called RoboKiller. Uh, I know it's available for Android. I don't know for iPhone because I don't have an iPhone, but it is quite hilarious. It uh, has pre-recorded messages, so when somebody calls you, it'll just start rattling off this pre-recorded message. So uh, it's rather funny, and it actually records the conversation with the robocaller and the pre-recorded message that uh, RoboKiller has playing. So it's pretty funny to hear it and hear that interaction there, but it's it's a pretty cheap app too. I want to say it's a couple bucks a month, so totally worth the entertainment there if you're getting a bunch of those robocalls still. All right, some other news here. The Apple co-founder, Woz, some people call him, Steve Wozniak, I think that's how you say his last name, uh, he came out the other day and said he wants everybody to get off of Facebook now. <laughs> well, Steve, I think you're a little behind the times, but I think it's great that somebody like him is coming out and advocating for this because Facebook has been taking our information and doing whatever it wants to with it for years. And for somebody like that to come out and and say that everybody needs to get off of this platform now, uh, hopefully that rattles some cages and hopefully people see that and take it seriously. There are other ways of communicating with your family members outside of Facebook. You know, there's still this archaic technology called text messaging. So you don't necessarily have to have Facebook. I understand it's convenient, but there are a lot of trade-offs. So lots of things to think about there and all the information you give to Facebook, all the personally identifiable information you give to them. It's just, it's crazy really. And, you know, they say that they're going to stop doing it and you know, who's to really say what they're going to stop doing? So Steve basically was saying that he's mostly worried about the various apps that can listen to your conversations and therefore be able to show you relevant advertisements based on what it hears. So that's, I, I don't like that either, personally. There's some serious privacy issues there. Uh, if you have the app installed correctly and you've limited those permissions, it shouldn't be able to do that. However, in most cases, it is still able to listen to things. So, uh, especially if you give it access to like your phone calls, things like that, it can listen to those phone calls and send you ads based on what you say in your phone calls. So there's there's a lot of things that they do that's it's pretty sneaky and it's quite the invasion of privacy. So of course it's unfortunate that they're doing this to everybody, but I hope that people really start taking it seriously. It's it's really really a big problem. And until more people realize it's a big problem, they're just going to continue doing what they do. So anyway, I could sit here and preach all day about it, but privacy is a big deal now. And I really hope that folks you know, get on that bandwagon and start advocating for better privacy, especially with these social media platforms and whatnot. All right, some other news here about the FBI and ICE. They are uh, using... License photos, so when you go get your DMV picture and you get that put on your driver's license or your identification card, uh, the FBI and ICE are using that uh, and putting it into a facial recognition database now. So all of this is, of course, without consent of all the people that they're putting in this database. So again, more privacy-related issues 
there. So, and of course, this is the government doing this. This isn't even Facebook. So, just think about all these various privacy things that are that are going on. And and really, if we start taking this stuff seriously, then I think we can help prevent a lot of this kind of stuff. All right, there was another article the other day about um, various Android apps that harvest your data even after you deny permissions. Just like I said about Facebook, they were still harvesting data. They could still listen to things even if you're denying that access, uh, primarily on the Android phones, unfortunately. Uh, So I guess that bodes well for iPhone users. But still, those Android permissions are supposed to block all those things that you don't want those apps to do. And apparently the app developers have figured out a way to circumvent that and still, you know, do the data mining that they want to do regardless if you've opted in or out. So it really is unfortunate that these apps are doing it. Everybody's just basically taking a a page out of Facebook's playbook and, and using their tactics to get all this data that they want to send you advertisements with. And it's crazy that they go to these lengths just to send you advertising. It's, uh, it's, it's quite amazing what they'll do for putting an ad in front of your face on your phone or your computer. But there, there's really so many of these apps, and you really don't know which ones are doing it. That's the other unfortunate part. But all of these things put together makes it extremely difficult to stay private online. Uh, makes it extremely difficult because all these various apps are using your information or mining data on your phone somehow. And there's really not a lot of things that, at least right now, that consumers can do to protect their privacy. You know, of course, there's VPN apps out there, which we'll talk about here in a second. But, you know, there's there's so many other things that go into privacy, not just, you know, running your stuff through a VPN. There's There's a lot more to it than that. And if these apps are on your phone directly, the VPN really doesn't do anything because they're already on your phone. So maybe there will be some sort of a a privacy app that actually starts blocking these things or at least alerts you to these types of things. Uh, That would be cool. But everybody in the world needs the ability to be able to stay private online if they want to. Right now, there's just nothing at least that I've seen. There, there very well could be, and I just haven't seen it. But as far as I know, there's not a lot of tools out there that can help you accomplish that. So it's unfortunate, but I'm not surprised. But they came out with another huge list, uh, 153 various apps. Among them is Samsung's apps. And the other unfortunate part about that is, you know, you buy a Samsung phone, and it's preloaded with all the Samsung apps, and you can't uninstall them. Some of them you can't even disable. So it's it's tough and it's frustrating. And I, I'm a big fan of Samsung phones. I love them. But I can't disable all of their built-in apps. I can disable some, but not all. And it's it's certainly frustrating because you don't know which one of those are you know, using your data in ways that you don't want it to. All right, some other news here about some, uh, I guess, a follow-up story to British Airways. You'll remember last year they got hacked pretty bad. And so the UK is going to fine them $230 million for GDPR compliance issues. So based on that breach, the breach obviously made the... They, apparently they already had GDPR issues before the breach. And the breach just exacerbated it. And they gave them a $230 million fine. So that's a... Pretty 
pretty hefty fine there. So British Airways again takes another hit. And that's tough. You know, if you're one of these companies and you know you're trying to protect yourselves and there's no way to fully protect yourself. And even if you're doing everything you can and something still happens, you might still get one of these fines potentially. That's just, that's tough to swallow. It's tough for security admins. It's tough for security executives to, you know, to be able to think about that and say, okay, if, even if I'm doing everything in the world to protect my company and something still happens, you know, the company could be fined all this money and somebody's going to probably take the blame for it. And it could be those cybersecurity executives and, and staff members and whatnot. So I'm, I'm kind of mixed emotions on the whole GDPR thing and fining people. Um, this is a pretty lofty fine, $230 million. But I think some of that is good. But at the same time, going overboard is, is not good. Hopefully, if other businesses see this and they realize, hey, I don't want to be like British Airways. Let's, you know, at least become more GDPR compliant. Make sure that you're storing that data the way that they want you to store it. And you can delete it if you need to delete it based on a request. Uh, all those fun things that come along with GDPR. Get there first. And then hopefully, even after there is a breach, if there is a breach, hopefully they wouldn't get to any of that GDPR information. But again, they still could, and they, you still might get the fine. That's why it's so tough. But hopefully people take note from that and try to bolster their defenses a little bit more. And I think executives see that, and they, they probably freak out. So hopefully that... I mean, because cybersecurity is so important, and everybody needs it. And I know that a lot of industries are, are so far behind, and we're always behind the adversary, unfortunately, as well. So hopefully folks will start using this kind of thing as an example and and really start implementing a lot more stricter controls all right some other news here this one was was quite alarming so there's a security firm they're based in boston they're called cyber reason and they've reported that certain nation state hackers have compromised systems of no less than 10 cellular carriers across the globe to steal metadata of specific users. So they're basically saying, too, that the targeted users and the attackers are both from China, based on what they can tell. I thought that was kind of interesting as well. But they're calling this a large-scale espionage uh, type of attack using cellular networks. And a while back, I think I reported on it, probably last year sometime, there was tons of flaws in... 4G LTE, and I didn't follow up to see if that had actually been mitigated. I don't know, but I have a feeling that some of the attacks here are based on those 4G LTE flaws, I would assume at least. I don't know for sure, but so it makes you then question, what about 5G? Are there any flaws in it? So anyway, that's that's crazy to think about. So if this was happening to folks in the U.S., the first thing you think about is, how do I protect myself, right? How do I make sure this doesn't happen to me? And really, the, the best way to protect yourself, again, outside of all these apps that are already collecting your information, Facebook apps and all that, and other apps that you don't even know about, the best thing that you can do to protect yourself is don't keep anything too extremely sensitive on your phone. Always use some sort of encrypted messaging apps. There's quite a few out there, too. Uh, I personally like using Signal. 
Signal can actually, at least on Android, it can take over and do all of your texting for you if you choose to do that. So that's pretty slick. It can be your primary texting application. And people that are also on Signal, of course, those communications are encrypted and others that are not, it'll still send it unencrypted. So, and then of course you can invite people to use Signal as well, but encrypted messaging apps are probably the best way, one of the best ways to protect yourself. Obviously you want to make sure that any and all communications to and from your device are also encrypted. So this is where you would turn on a VPN of some sort, make sure that everything you're sending out and coming back in is encrypted through that VPN. And a lot of these VPN providers, too, have pretty great controls, and you can turn on additional filtering and all kinds of other cool stuff, depending on which one you get, obviously. But anyway, that's that's very scary stuff, but who's to say that they're not already doing this in the United States and we just haven't caught somebody doing it yet? So make sure that you're protecting yourself as best you can. Use those encrypted messaging apps. Uh, disable all the apps that you're not using, and... Use a VPN anytime you can. All right, so speaking of VPNs, there's a lot to pick from out there, and you might need help figuring out which one is best, and what what do I, how do I know this VPN provider is doing what they say that they're doing? And there's a great resource out there. The website is called, it's kind of a funny one, but the website's called thatoneprivacysite.net, and one is spelled out, so it's thatoneprivacysite.net. Net. And you can go out there and they've got a very detailed VPN comparison. It goes through all of the different compliance things and jurisdictions and, I mean, you name it, they go through it here. So this is a very, very good resource to compare all the various VPN providers out there. Personally, I use NordVPN. Obviously, there are a ton others out there. I've used private internet access in the past. I've used one called Ivacy, I-V-A-C-Y, and I've also used VPN Secure. Now, once I found this site, I've primarily been using NordVPN. But anyway, check that site out. It's really, really great for picking out a VPN. That one, privacysite.net. Go check that out. All right, we're going to jump over to the crypto side of things. And the great news today is about the crypto prices. We are doing quite well. Bitcoin is up to $12,323. Ethereum is at $311 right now. So we're on quite the uptick today. So that's good to see. Ripple's still floating around $0.40. Cents. Bitcoin Cash is at 418 So overall, most everything is, is trending upward. So this is a good little run we're having today. So some of the big news that happened over the break, Cloudflare had a major outage and it took down Coinbase and several other crypto websites, CoinMarketCap being another one. There's a bunch of others too. And most folks thought that Coinbase was doing this as a conspiracy because there was, at the time, there was a massive sell-off. Everybody thought, oh, this is a Coinbase conspiracy and you know, they shut down their site to prevent more mass sell-offs and blah, blah, blah. Well, come to find out, it was actually Cloudflare. They had this massive outage. So it took out more than just crypto sites, too. If you work in IT, you probably saw a bunch of other stuff go down. If it's SaaS-based and it uses Cloudflare, they had a, a major outage. So it was not uh, Coinbase 
doing it to themselves. It was actually a legit outage there, so don't point the finger too bad at them. Facebook Libra is the story that just keeps on giving. All kinds of different countries have been coming out and saying, no, we're not going to allow this. There have been a few that said, yes, it's okay, we don't care. But the vast majority have come out and said, no, we don't like this. We're not going to allow this in our country. And people are talking about all kinds of financial stability issues in various countries that aren't as big as the U.S. So Facebook is still in the hot seat for their Libra crypto and so far have not been able to release it yet. And they keep saying that it's a separate company and blah, 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 and separate entity and it's not Facebook. You know, what Facebook probably should have done is not tell anybody that it's you know, sponsored by Facebook and just release a crypto that, you know, you could just say has no affiliation with Facebook at all. But somehow the information leaked out that all the developers and they were hiring for blockchain people at Facebook. So the speculation was already there that they were going to issue their own cryptocurrency. But if they wanted to be sneaky about it, they could have just, I mean, anybody can create a cryptocurrency. They could have just created it and never even said anything about it being affiliated with Facebook at all. But nonetheless, it's um, the never-ending story. If you're on Twitter, there's so many articles about all the various lawmakers and various countries and whatnot that don't like all this stuff going on with Facebook Libra. So check some of those stories out. I'll post them in the show notes as well. Other news here about Bitfinex. They had a uh, quite the big hack a while back, and they paid back a hundred million of the seven hundred million that was stolen uh, from their exchange. So that's good to see them paying all that stuff back. Unfortunate that that happened, but good to see those folks paying it back at least. Uh, NiceHash had a similar thing, and they were able to pay it back. Binance had a similar hack, and they were able to pay it back. So it's good to see these exchanges being able to pay that back. I think Binance was probably the most prepared for it, and they basically had the funds just ready to go, and they were able to pay for it really quickly. All right, then the last thing in cryptocurrency, I've been doing some new stuff with trading that I've never done before, and I'm using a site called bitmex.com. B-I-T-M-E-X dot com. And basically you're you're trading on Bitcoin futures and uh, you're basically trying to guess the prices and you can use leverage as part of your trades and whatnot. And you can, as long as you guess correctly, you can, you know, make some pretty good money on it. You can do very safe trading as well and not risk too much. But I'm just kind of diving into it and uh, really didn't put a whole lot of money into it. I put 25 bucks into it initially just to kind of tinker around with the leverage things and whatnot obviously if you screw it up you're going to get your account liquidated which i of course screwed up and um, all my 25 dollars was was liquidated which is fine i don't care they can have it i was just tinkering around more than anything but i learned a lot through that process and now i'm i'm a little more confident in my abilities to use their system better and and make some better trades and more disciplined trades so if you're into the day trading stuff, you've probably already seen BitMEX and you're probably already using it. But if you have not, you might want to check that out. It's it's pretty slick. As you know, the market moves very quickly. So, you know, at the blink of an eye, Bitcoin can be up a thousand bucks. And if you put in the right trade at the right time, 
with the right amount of leverage, you can really make a lot of money on these trades. So it's all about the timing and doing it right and making sure you're timing it with the market. So I still have no idea how to read all these charts and whatnot, but you can still see the various trends and how things are trending and base some of your purchases off of that trend. Anyway, I thought it was a really cool thing. Uh, I've never done this before. Apparently, Bitfinex does a very similar thing as well. Uh, I just started looking at it uh, earlier today, but primarily been using BitMEX. So go check that out if you're into the day trading kind of stuff and you haven't already looked at it and you're curious to see what you can do. You can buy long or you can sell short. Uh, I found out the hard way that selling short uh, is very difficult. And if you sell short and you sell short wrong and the price goes up like it did over the last 24 hours, your account could be liquidated. So to be on the safe side, you probably want to buy long instead of sell short, at least in the initial uh, startup if you've never done it before. Buy long and sit there and hold it until it goes up to a certain amount that you're comfortable with. And you'll see the profit margin that you're going to get and all that good stuff. And then you can close out or sell that position or that trade. So anyway, it's pretty cool stuff. I've been really getting into it quite a bit here lately. And the more I use it, the more I will update everybody on it. The only problem is they don't allow people in the United States to use their system. But, of course, if you got a VPN, you can get around all that. So that's what I do. Don't tell anybody. But it's pretty cool, and like I said, if you're into the trading stuff, check it out. Just get on your VPN to the UK or whatever, and you can get on there and do some trading. You can do very similar stuff on other exchanges as well, um, but a lot of these don't let you do, a lot of the exchanges don't let you do the futures trading. Uh, of course, you can buy and sell based on ups and downs and do it that way based on the market conditions do buys and sells but you know of course you got to time all that stuff just right but if you want to do futures that's where bitmex and bitfinex are different so if you want to get into that check it out just get on your vpn before you sign up for it all right folks that's all i've got for today if you want to follow me on twitter i'm at cyber crypto guy at cyber crypto guy on twitter check me out on there i retweet a bunch of the articles we talk about here on the show thanks for listening and have a great day